0: I hated everyone and I wanted them all to die, you know, know, just profusely.
1: Radio Drone. I'm Josh Hadley. This is Radio Drone. Peter is a very much of that guy. When you see Peter, you go, that's the guy. <laughs> I am the guy. And then when you see Cecil, you go, I don't know. Is that the guy?
0: Uh, I'm the robot.
1: You are the you <laughs> are, the, are you a cyborg or an android?
0: Well, I could go for the old. Now I'm not going to do the Trek joke. Cyborg, really.
1: All right. Okay there, Van Dam. Although I still don't think you can do the splits.
0: No, God, no. <laughs> hey, unless you want to see me head to the hospital. That's
1: that's that's something I wouldn't mind seeing.
0: Oh, shut up.
1: Hey, Cecil, Adam and Eve promo.
0: If uh, if you like penis and you... <laughs>
1: <laughs> you can like vagina, too.
0: You can like vagina, too. You can like all kinds of orifices and, and uh, genitals. Go to adamandeve.com and uh, use the promo code DROME. To get uh, some free DVDs, six, <laughs> six free DVDs, uh, mystery gift, a gift for him, a gift for her, banana underpants, uh, free U.S. shipping, free U.S. shipping, the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. Now you see Penis. why you don't
1: get you don't you see why you're not <laughs> that much of that guy.
0: No, <laughs> I certainly am not. <laughs>
1: now, when I brought up that guy. This is a phenomenon known in Hollywood as that guy syndrome, where you see these actors in everything, big budget movies, low budget movies, syndicated TV shows, high budget network TV shows. To people like us, we know their names. We know their body of work. They are recognizable to the person on the street, but they would just go, you know, that guy. He was in that movie and that TV show that was out last year where they'll recognize him. They'll even be like, oh, he was that villain on CSI. His name was, um, um, (laughs) and no one knows their name, but you know their face. They're known as that guy. And these people usually don't get the respect I think that they deserve. So tonight we're going to give respect to some of that guys out there. Do you consider the whole that guy syndrome? A problem with mainstream audiences that they'll know Tom Cruise they'll know Mel Gibson but they won't know Michael Ironside or Lance Henriksen's name or is it just we're more obsessive or is it just that that these people are destined to their entire career really being second banana because that's what they are usually they're supporting players or they're the villain in probably 90% of the cases
2: I think when it comes to the recognizable actors, the leading men like the the Tom Cruises and whatnot, it's it's easy to actually remember their names because when you got the that guys, they are as you said usually just supporting characters it's like uh like Thomas uh, I believe it's Rosales Jr uh is the that one thug at the beginning of Cobra that's like shooting everybody and you kind of just go hey, I've seen him in a bunch of stuff but never remember uh, never remember his name. Or a lot of people that refer to you know Robert Zadar as that dude with the huge jaw. Like I think it's just kind of how it is because they're I, I guess kind of lower level actors. They come in to do more supporting roles and and uh, play off of the the lead more than be lead. So I think it uh, it just kind of comes with uh, what uh, what they are in their profession and that's um, primarily character actors.
0: The general public, they know the big stars because they're the ones that are constantly doing the uh, the tours. They're doing the you know, all the all the today shows and the news programs. And they're the ones that, you know, when the when the movies get promoted, you know, it's Tom Cruise and, you know, it's all the big names Uh that get promoted out there. You've got a lot of smaller Uh, I shouldn't well not even necessarily smaller because a lot of them are the ones that are consistently working where you've had actors that you know they had huge spikes and then they would drop down and they're doing you know crap nothing and then they kind of come back like Travolta you know Travolta was like huge for a while and then he was doing nothing but the Look Who's Talking sequels, and then he got brought back with Pulp Fiction, and now he's kind of been able to stay consistent for a while. He's had a few dips, but he's still like a name. Whereas you've had actors that have always consistently worked. You've had guys that it's like they may not be huge stars, but they just did five movies last year.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, not even necessarily that. Eric Roberts doesn't take a break. He literally, when he finishes a movie, he might have a week off, and mm-hmm. then he's on the next movie or his next TV show appearance. People like Eric Roberts literally work all year around. That's all they do is work in movies and TV. They don't take a three-month vacation like Tom Cruise. Well, I'm, you know, I did Mission Impossible. Now I'm going to take a break for, you know, a quarter of a year till my next project. People like Lance Henriksen and Eric Roberts always have some place they're going and something that they're in, you know. And then. Usually what ends up happening, at least in my opinion, sometimes that guy ends up stealing the movie from what's supposed to be the star. Like Lance Henriksen. Stone Cold was supposed to be a Brian Bosworth vehicle. Lance Henriksen is the most memorable character and the most memorable actor in that movie. Again with Lance Henriksen, Hard Target is a completely forgettable John Woo, Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. Except Lance Henriksen as the most insane, over-the-top Van Damme villain
2: ever. Easily one of my favorite Van Damme films, and that may or may not have to do with uh, Lance
1: Henriksen's excellent performance, because he is, he's awesome in that movie. Michael Ironside. I know Karate Kid, the next Karate Kid, was supposed to be Hilary Swank's movie. All I remember is Michael Ironside as an insane gym teacher. You know, he stole that movie. He steals almost every movie, though.
0: He certainly does, Ham Tyler.
1: What happens is, that guy, they usually start off starring in lower-budget materials what would be drive-in materials in the 70s or direct-to-video stuff today, and then they slowly move up the ladder to being that guy, the sidekick, or whatnot. Like, to go back to Van Damme, Replicant. Really, Replicant is Michael Rooker's movie, but because Mm -hmm. Van Damme is both the the sidekick and the villain, it makes sense if you see the movie, Mm -hmm. he overshadows Michael Rooker. Michael Mm -hmm. Rooker owns that movie, but yet it's thought of as a Van Damme film which is, I think, unfortunate. More recent one, right? Is one uh, of, uh, 2001, maybe? Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, he played a clone. Ah, that old? That uh, he played a clone.
1: Yeah, he. Uh, Van Dam was a serial killer, and then so Michael Rooker was the cop hunting him. They cloned him and had his clone, without the serial killer tendencies, hunting the Van Dam serial killer. But really, I think that's a Michael Rooker movie that happens mm. to have a lot of Van Dam in it, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, but I mean, but again, uh, even though he's not the big star that he was, I mean, more people know Michael Rooker now. So if they were to like, Walking Dead, Dead, so if they were to release the movie, they probably would do like what they do with a lot of uh, movies where someone who's in the movie has become more popular. In 2001, people still knew, you know, we're still big on Jean-Claude Van Damme. Now they're bigger on Michael Rooker, so they would probably put him front and center and then put Jean-Claude Van Damme, like, a little to the back.
1: Some of the ones on my list, like, I think Sid Haig is one of the ultimate that guys. He's always intense. He's always awesome. People know his face, especially from Devil's Rejects and whatnot. And they tend to forget just how much mainstream stuff he did. Sid Haig, I bet you guys don't remember, he was on the 60s Batman show. He was I on Star don't Trek. don't remember that. He was on. He was on The Man from U.N.C.L.E. He was on The A-Team. He was on. He was a regular on Gunsmoke and Mission Impossible. He starred in over a hundred episodes of the of the of the soap opera Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. He he was in the original Charlie's Angels. He was the villain in Jason of Star Command. Yet most people are going to know him as. Wait, that's that guy from those Rob Zombie movies, right? Is that really how a that guy should be remembered? That It's weird how in Sid Haig's case, it's his mainstream work people forget. It's really good that now
2: people uh, are starting to recognize him more and more, even if it is through Rob Zombie movies and stuff. At least people know him. I mean, people like us remember guys like Sid Haig doing, uh, you know, Corman films and his TV work and stuff like that. But now I'm glad that that's it's expanded to where now there are other people who who recognize him and he should be recognized because he's a damn good actor.
0: Uh, I think that probably uh, it's better to be known as that guy than to not be known at all. Because think about it. I mean, how many actors uh, have come along where they're just there and gone? But then you have somebody like Sid Haig or uh, Michael Ironside or whatnot who's done so much, but they never were like you know, huge mainstream success, but it's like, oh, that guy, I love that guy. You know, I think that kind of shows that they have staying power and that they are a lot of times more recognized than the big stars because, you know, just because people don't know who they are, they're like, hey, you know, they get people get excited when you see, oh, that, and they start pointing, you know, that guy, you know, it sucks that they don't know their name, but still. You know they're they're at least recognized. I'm sure there's a lot of actors that at this point would kill to be that guy's.
1: Well, you brought up Michael Ironside. Michael Ironside is one of my favorite actors, and I've been trying to get an interview with him for years. He gave an interview on the Scanners Criterion DVD where he talked about how he was making all of these you know drive-in movies and TV movies in Canada, and he had an epiphany one day. I'm never going to make it out of Canada if I keep doing this stuff. So he came to America, and he's and then. The very first thing he got was V the final battle. And I mean, <laughs> he, he did some stuff before that that, you know, no one recognized like him on the A-team and Space Hunter, which was a ma- massive bomb and whatnot.
0: Awesome movie.
1: It's an awesome movie, but it lost a ton of money.
0: Wasn't he overdog?
1: He was overdog. Yes. Yes. <laughs> then he had no legs and giant claws for hands. And then he got Ham Tyler in V the final battle. And he said after that, he's been a, he's been working consistently. He literally says without V, he doesn't know he'd still be acting even, you know? So, but he realized I can keep doing these low budget movies, these, these movies that nobody is going to see that these drive in flicks, like visiting hours and scanners and whatnot. Remember scanners wasn't a hit when it came out, mm-hmm. or I can take the risk, move to Hollywood and be that guy for a while. And it just happened that he did, he, he made more, he was probably one of the more mainstream that guys out there, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's been in hundred million dollar productions, and then you know, uh, hundred children of the corn 6. Yeah, <laughs> he's done total, the total recall. recall,
2: then Watchers, and just all kinds of movies. And he's he's Hell, always he was,
1: he was the main character in the third season of Sequest. Yeah, <laughs> Captain Oliver Hudson, the best season of Sequest, I might add. <laughs>
0: Re- replacing um, Roy Scheider. Roy Scheider. Which I mean, that's that's pretty big shoes to step into.
2: Well, Michael Ironside has been one of my favorite actors since, as far as I can even remember. Uh, I remember watching, you know, stuff like Watchers on TV and Total Recall and Starship Troopers and just all these movies when I was I was coming up. And he, he's always immediately recognizable to me, and it's not only because of his intensity and his unique look, but he always seems to lose some some of his limbs, either his arms or his legs. Like, I kind of know him as that guy that's probably going to get his arms ripped off later.
1: (laughs) He always also, when it comes to Michael Ironside, he always looks like he's having a blast. Even if the movie's terrible, he looks like he is having so much fun, usually as the villain. Like, Highlander 2... Christopher Lambert <laughs> looks like he doesn't want to be there. Most of the cast look miserable. Michael mm. Ironside looks like he is just having a ball, doesn't it? Absolutely, mm. especially
2: in the, the subway scene when he's it's just, it's just zoomed in on his face and he just has this awesomely maniacal expression. Like, it's just fantastic.
1: Now, we're going to be jumping around a timeline here. I think one of the bigger that guys right now is J.K. Simmons. People know him, might know him from the Spider-Man movies as J. Jonah Jameson. I'll always know him from Oz. I'll always know him as Vern Schillinger, the sadistic rapist Nazi from Oz. What most people don't know him for, he's the yellow M&M in the M&M's commercials since the 1990s. Really?
0: You, wow. you didn't know that? Well, yeah, he's, know. he's
1: the yellow M&M. He, he, he's the dumb one. That's insane. <sighs> well,
2: that, that wow. shows uh, shows his ability as an actor to be able to disguise his that well
0: he has gotten a lot more um noticed lately because of uh, a lot of the movies that he's done were like you know he he was doing some indie darling movies he did that piece of shit juno and uh-huh. and uh, I, I will point out he had the only funny line in the whole film i vaguely remember because i what what was the line
1: right after she, right after juno told him that she was pregnant i don't remember what michael Sarah's name was he goes next time i see that boy i'm gonna punch him right in the dick <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? He had the only funny line in that whole piece of shit film.
0: He was the only likable character in the entire film. I I hated everyone and I wanted them all to die, you know, ex- you know, just profusely. <laughs> but uh but anyway, but yeah, but he did he did that and then, you know, he he pops up in the Spider-Man movies and he was just in that Whiplash and everybody is gushing about I didn't see it yet, so I'm sure it's good, but I haven't seen it yet. Branching out a lot of that guy because there's a lot of people who uh, aren't saying, you know, oh, my God, that guy, you know, they're they're saying J.K. Simmons.
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, I think he he's definitely one of those guys that come in and maybe won't steal the movie, sometimes does, but is always very memorable. He was easily one of the best things about the uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. I loved him in uh, Burn After Reading, and he was even a highlight of, of Terminator Genisys. I mean,
1: I, I really dig that dude as an actor.
0: Oh, yeah, I forgot he was in that.
1: He was the shrink. Yeah. One of my favorite that, guys, is one that everybody knows, but even people that are fans of him get his name wrong all the time, and that is Bruce McGill. His most famous role, arguably, would be Daniel Day in Animal House. Mm -hmm. But I remember him from just stealing a Miami Vice episode from Crockett and Tubbs, the out where the buses don't run. This This is the great thing about that, guys, especially like Bruce McGill. He's usually so intense that he might only work on the film for a day and have five minutes of screen time, but you remember him. In in Michael Mann's The Insider, he is Russell Crowe's attorney, and he steals that five minute scene from Russell Crowe and Wingshauser. Dr. Wygant's testimony will be on this record! <laughs> he steals that scene from Wingshauser and Russell Crowe. That's
2: not easy to do, you know. Just looking at the movies I've seen him in, I really enjoyed him in stuff like Collateral and Law Abiding Citizen. He's definitely one of those guys who I don't think I ever really knew his name, but I've seen him pop up in a lot of movies and have uh, and have liked him.
1: What about an older style that guy? Everyone from MST3K knows Mitchell, aka Joe Don Baker.
0: <laughs> my 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 God! What are we?
1: But Joe Don, Don Baker. Know. Joe Don Baker is absolutely a that guy, though. He's, he's usually pretty good, but he's, he's one of those ones that, I think Mystery Science Theater's made him into more of a doofus than he is. I mean, yes, he was kind of a doofus in Mitchell. You look at a lot of his body of work, and you see a really good, intense actor.
0: Oh, he is, he is a good actor. I've seen a lot of, uh, he was the original Walking Tall.
1: Uh, he also took over for Carol O'Connor in In the Heat of the Night for a while.
0: Yeah, he is. I mean, he was a doofus in Mitchell and and a lot of his like more recent stuff. He was just, you know, the fat dumbbell in. But yeah, a lot of his younger uh, younger years, he was like the tough guy or the muscle or whatnot. So, yeah, Yeah. I I think it didn't help much that he said that if he ever sees any of the mystery science theater people, he's going to punch him in the face.
2: He's awesome. I love him in in Cape Fear and and Walking Tall and stuff like that. He's uh, the the Cape Fear remake, I should say. He's he's a really I've I've always liked his his presence. He's really got that like that kind of southern tough guy appeal. uh, Really awesome in the original Walking Tall. Just a just a solid, uh, solid actor. And I've I've never I've honestly never even considered him to be a that guy. He's to me, he's always just, you know, an actor, just like a guy that, you know,
1: Uh, by name because because he's awesome well speaking about mitchell what about the villain in mitchell john saxon he's a that guy to most people we know him from enter the dragon and nightmare on elm street and all that but a lot of people would kind of go oh that guy honestly and i'm not trying to take anything away from bruce lee john Saxon's is my favorite part of enter the dragon i don't know what that says about me
2: he's (laughs) awesome in that movie john saxon is fantastic and easily one of my favorite, like, dudes that show up in, uh, you know, Z to B-grade movies, uh, he's in one of my, I would consider it to be my favorite, um, rip-off exploitation movie, Hands of Steel, he goes around, uh, trying to hunt down Daniel Green with a giant fucking laser gun that's bigger than him, like the, the cannibal movie that, that's taking place in, in New York or whatever, like, the, the guy has just been in so many, hmm? it Takes place in Georgia. Ah, well, I haven't seen it in a while, but, but yeah, the, 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 like, urban cannibal film and, They're just awesome in that, and he's just in so many, he's in those movies that, that to me, like, define exactly
1: what I enjoy watching. Like, he's he's easily one of my favorites. He's charismatic as hell. Mm -hmm. If you've ever seen the A-Team episode, The Children of Jamestown, where he basically, playing Jim Jones, he (laughs) oozes charisma. He steals that whole episode from the A-Team
0: cast. Oh, John Saxton's great. I mean, going from, uh, y- you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, from Blood Beach, he's just always good. I, I always dig the, the guy.
1: I-, I think the first time I ever saw him was he was a bounty hunter on Kung Fu that was going after the bounty <laughs> on David Carradine's head in the <laughs> 70s. And I rem- I remember him from that. One of my favorite that guys is... Somebody that's become much more recognizable in the last few years, but that's Dean Winters. Ryan O'Reilly from Oz, he's also, the reason he's gotten more mainstream play is he was Dennis Duffy on 30 Rock, which really, he stole every episode he was in because he was so nuts. I hate to say it, Mm. more people know him as Mayhem from the insurance commercials than they do anything else, which kind of pisses me off. Those are great commercials though. He's, he's they are great curious. commercials, but it's sad that he's been in like hundred different movies and TV shows and they know him from the insurance commercials.
0: Well <laughs> he was just in uh he was just in John Wick.
1: Yeah, yeah he was the second in command under the bad guy. And yeah. he was great in and that. He was, he was awesome. great in that.
0: Yeah. Oh Dean Winters is great. It's it's funny that uh I, I guess uh for, for him it's probably worth it to to do the uh to, to do the the mayhem commercials, they're paying him good, and I'm I mean, sure who it's knows. a
1: lot of good money.
0: Yeah, I mean, and it's very possible that that may have been part of what got him the job in John Wick. You know, so <laughs> hey, man, work is work.
1: I, rem- I remember I remember him as Leahy's boyfriend in Terminator the TV series.
0: Oh yeah. yeah.
1: He was David Caruso's brother on CSI Miami. Yeah, because those two are even remotely similar looking, right?
0: Yeah, right.
1: Like, all right, I don't know how you guys got that one, but fine, whatever. I just want people to know about the guy. It's like with, uh,
2: like I had said about the that guys in general, if people know about them, that's awesome. But I do think he deserves a, a lot more credit as as an actor and not just a guy that was in a string of funny commercials because the guy is painfully underrated. He's, he's fucking awesome and he's got a great unique look to him like to me he's he's one of those dudes that uh deserves to get more work and definitely deserves to be uh more well
1: known for what he's doing in the movies and on tv well there there's a certain that guy who only underground film fans knew him for the longest time and then somehow probably due to quentin tarantino he he gained mainstream acceptance to the point where he's in snickers commercials now and that's danny Trejo. danny <laughs> Trejo is always awesome and he, you know, he's in big-budget stuff like Triple X, and then he's he's in just low-budget crap that where they could only afford him for a day. Danny Trejo, I think, is an awesome actor. I've heard he's a fantastic person in real life. Danny Trejo mm. is starting to move out from being that guy because people are starting to know his name, but for the longest time, he was that
2: guy. Danny Trejo is a guy that... Uh, I, I would see in so many movies you know, growing up stuff like, um, uh, you know, he would pop up in movies like Con Air and stuff like that. And I go, who's that like weird, badass looking guy? I want to see him in more stuff. And then I'm really glad that he got to do stuff like Machete and, and be in, in more things and be brought into the spotlight because he, he really does add a lot to movies he's in. Um, my favorite movie he did was a lesser known Mickey Rourke flick from 1998, uh, Point Blank. In which he plays a coked out escaped convict that uh, has an awesome fist fight with uh, Mickey Rourke at the end. Really love Danny Trejo, always have, and I'm I'm really glad that he's he's in so many more things and has broke out from being the, that guy and now people actually recognize him for his roles and, and as Machete and, and stuff like that. So I think that's that's just fantastic because the guy is is he's just super cool.
0: Oh, I love the guy. He uh he's he always delivers like whatever the role requires of him. I've seen ones where he plays badass assassins. Uh, I've seen ones where he's the angry father. I've seen okay. ones where he's like the kind-hearted Latino guy. I mean, he he just he's so cool. Like the movie Machete was basically made for him like no there's mm-hmm. no other person it's like look we're gonna tailor make a movie for just for you like <laughs> and, and if you're not gonna star in it the movie's not gonna get made
1: and the yeah. first machete was great the second one
0: oh uh, the was second balls. One was hilarious
1: the second one was balls The
0: second one was hilarious God. the second one
1: was teabagging the audience
0: no it wasn't <laughs> He's not the kind of guy that normally you would think of getting mainstream success, which is what makes it yeah. so much cooler, is that here's this dude mm-hmm. who, you know, he's in his, what, 50s now, and he's all tattooed, and he's got the long hair, and he sticks out like a sore thumb. And he's
1: in a su- Super
0: Bowl Snickers commercial. Yeah, he's exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, just great guy.
1: One of my favorite that guy's, is one that is still unfortunately a that guy even with the body of work he's done and that is LQ Jones cuz LQ Jones he, he he started way back in the in the 50s he was in a lot of westerns he was usually a heavy usually a bad guy and then he became one of Sam Peckinpah's stock players he was in everything Peckinpah did after he was discovered and his mm-hmm. arguably his most famous on-screen role is Joe Bob Briggs' uncle in Casino, the one that causes (laughs) all of the problems for Robert De Niro. That's LQ Jones, who, by the way, Peter, (laughs) you might be interested to know, is also the director of A Boy and His Dog. Oh, man, that's awesome. He directed The Devil's Bedroom and A Boy and His Dog and an Incredible Hulk episode. But I I think LQ Jones is one of the best that guys out there.
0: No, I know LQ Jones. I mean, I didn't know him as well but with a name like that and then with some of the um movies that he's been in especially due to the fact that uh he, he directed uh boy and his dog of course i knew that
2: love him in uh casino and everything else i've seen him in i did not know that he uh that he directed a boy and his dog but i mean i did just see that movie recently so but yeah he's a he's an awesome dude that's uh Definitely one of the one of the greats when it comes to that guy that uh, that'll show up in a movie that you'll recognize. He's a very cool dude.
1: LQ Jones is indicative of what what a lot of older that guys had as their early part of their career, and that's what I call guest starred in one episode of every TV show ever made. You look at LQ Jones' list, as well as Michael Ironside, John Saxon, and all that, they were in, like, you know, one episode of Ironside. They were in a Kung Fu. They were in an Incredible Hulk. They were in a Charlie's Angels. In a One McLeod, in a Chips, in a Columbo, in a How the West Was Won, in a Runaways, in a Vegas, in an Enos, in a Walking Tall, in a Dukes of Hazzard, in a Fall Guy. You see where I'm going where they guest star in one episode of every goddamn show that there is. That doesn't happen as (laughs) often anymore, but when you look at the older that guys, you start to notice that. I don't Mm -hmm. know if that's good or bad, that you're good enough to be in this one and be memorable in it, but we're not going to bring you
0: back. Well they they
2: probably just they probably just like that particular actor and they want to put them uh in their show. Like I think that's that's just the case.
1: You know then you look at actors like like Robert Davi. We we talked about him a lot when we did the Maniac Cop retrospective. Robert Davi is one of those as well. He was a he was also a one episode of every TV show ever. He was in a Lou Grant. <laughs> he was in an Incredible Hulk in a Barnaby Jones in a Trapper John in a Dynasty in a St. Elsewhere in a Hill Street Blues and on and on. Robert Davi arguably arguably became famous as a Bond villain, which is kind of strange, isn't it?
2: He's my he's my favorite Bond villain actually. I love the 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 Timothy Dalton ones. Robert Davi is just one of those guys just fantastic awesome and the really really filled the shoes of uh Bruce Campbell very well uh for Maniac Cop 2 and 3 and he he's to me one of the funniest parts of uh Die Hard with the the two FBI dudes uh, there's him and like the younger black dude and they're riding around in the helicopter and he's just like just like "Fucking Saigon, right? I was in high
1: school, dickhead. I guess we're going to need new FBI guys." Yeah.
0: <laughs> And let's not forget he farted himself to death in tracks.
1: Yes, he lit. He literally blew himself up with a fart in tracks. That's true. And you know he also has the best line in showgirls. Must be weird not having anybody come on you.
0: <laughs> oh, I love the guy. He to me, uh, I know he technically is a that guy but i've known who he was for so long because i mean he's just had a wide variety of stuff of playing good guys bad guys uh you know he's he's never some movies he's he's never been typecast but He's just always brought his A-game no matter what movie he's done. He's been in big movies, been in small movies. It's uh, kind of like Eric Roberts in that sense, where uh, no matter what movie he's in, he's always like good. Like the movie might be crap, but he always, you could tell, is actually putting forth effort.
1: You know, you know, another one that does that, this, this next guy, yeah, Michael Bean, is a little more recognizable because he's been in all the James Cameron movies and that. But a lot of people still don't know his name. I still... When when people see him in ter- in Terminator when that's on TV, a guy I used to work with was like, "Oh, Hicks from Aliens is in this." You know, nobody knows uh-huh. the name Michael Bean. They recognize him. They know, oh, from Aliens and Terminator and The Rock and The Abyss and all this, but they don't know his name. I love Michael Bean. I think he's a fantastic actor with the qualifier when he's cast properly. I've seen him mm-hmm. cast. Remember that that Demi Moore. Jürgen Prochnow movie The Seventh Sign from the 90s Michael Bean is a brain surgeon in that <laughs> Don't buy it for a second <laughs> In the 1997 miniseries Asteroid he's the head of FEMA Don't <laughs> buy it for a second Michael Bean is one of those guys that's so easy to miscast that it becomes laughable and I don't mm-hmm. think that's necessarily Michael Bean's fault. But to yeah. me, I can't take him seriously if he's not playing a cowboy, a rogue, a cop, an FBI agent, or a soldier.
0: I don't know. He was pretty good in Time Bomb. But I guess what was he was he a was kind of what a was he a soldier? soldier? He
1: was he was like, you know, soldier
0: was a soldier with amnesia.
1: Yeah, but he was still <laughs> a, he was still a badass soldier in Time Bomb. But yes. Michael Bean is the first one you think of to play the head of FEMA or to play a brain surgeon.
0: Yeah, not not really the first person I would pick. I mean, (laughs) I I love the guy. Uh, There was a movie that came out a few years ago called Bereavement that he was excellent in. Yeah, I mean, I guess he's kind of unfortunately at the point where he is kind of taking the roles that are offered to him you know he does because he he doesn't quite have the calling card that he used to. Now he's going to be in the the next alien movie, so I'm kind of hoping that'll bring his status back up cuz really all it takes is one hit to get you back on, you know, the that gravy train.
1: Tarantino so, yeah. Tarantino proved that with Travolta.
0: You know, Tarantino well I mean Tarantino did that with Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson because I mean Travolta he revitalized his career, but Not a lot of people had even knew who the hell Samuel L. Jackson was until Pulp Fiction. And now, you know, he's a a household name. So yeah, all it takes is that right role to get you back in the mainstream. And next thing you know, you're going
2: easily one of my favorite actors. I, at least everything that I've seen him in, I, I loved him in. And uh, I think the, the example I'll make since, you know, it's easy to talk about Terminator. It's easy to talk about aliens. One of my all time favorite Michael bean roles is, Johnny Ringo in Tombstone, like that is just—he's so badass as like you know, as, as like the the cowboy and and just the the exchanges he has with with other heavyweights like 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 Kurt Russell and Val Kilmer at the time and Sam Elliott. Just the way he delivers his his lines, like I want your blood and I want your souls and I want them right now. He's just awesome in that movie. He's just <laughs> playing. That, and, and as you said, soldiers and cops, like he was born to play that because he really has that genuine badass appeal about him. I've, I've always loved Michael Bean. To me, he was never that guy. I've known him by name uh, since I saw him in, in Terminator for the
1: first time. That, that dude is just just awesome. Well one that that, that I recognize it, it, this, is, this is one of the more weird that guys, as he's able to really go to comedy. Hardcore action. He can play a good guy and a bad guy, and that's William Sadler. To people like us, mm. we know him as the senator being taken to the blood bank in Hard to Kill.
0: <laughs> Star Trek
1: fans would know him as Sloan from Section 31. He's also been on mm. like Roswell, and the new Hawaii 5 has thrust him into the spotlight again, with that show inexplicably being a hit for some reason. You know, he he was the, the corrupt sheriff in Machete Kills. He's in the mm-hmm. From Dust Till Dawn TV series and whatnot. You know, he's also was a regular on Roseanne. He was on Married with Children. <laughs> he's one of those, yeah. you know, arguably his most famous role would be under such makeup no one re- would recognize him as the Grim Reaper in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, who I think stole that movie from Bill and Ted.
0: He did. He's Everybody so loves the good. Grim Reaper.
1: But but you say William Sadler. They go, Who? Remember him on old Roseanne episodes as one of Dan's buddies. I I loved him
2: in uh, Die Hard 2. I really loved him in the, as the villain in that movie. I think he makes for just an epic villain and he can also play a great uh, great bad guy as well or a great good guy as well. Um I think uh, a great underrated role of his is in uh, in Demon Knight. I really like him in that one. Just a very very cool dude, very unique features. Like there's not really anybody that uh, that looks like him or is like him like a uh, He's just fantastic. He's got such great comedic timing as well as like an intense presence. He really can play, you know, quirky guys, funny guys, goofy guys, bad guys, good guys, you know, badasses and cowardly villains. The guy is just such a amazingly wide range as as an
1: actor. I've always really liked him a lot. Where do you know William Sadler from most? I know you're a Star Trek fan. You know Sloan, don't you?
0: From, oh, from yeah. Deep
1: Space Nine
0: but uh for me i always go back to his character and Disturbing behavior where he's he's the uh the janitor he's not all together there in the head you know <laughs> so that was kind of the the thing he was so good in that and uh and it's you know such a overlooked uh a movie but i mean he that's just the one that i kind of go back to with with him but i mean that uh green mile uh, yeah, like like Peter said, man, just him in Demon Knight, just uh, Bordello of Blood. Well, he was or no, he was in, in Bordello of Blood. He was the mummy. He oh, wasn't...
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. He was the mummy in the, the Bordello of Blood framing. Yeah, sequence. that's yeah,
2: right. He, uh, in both movies. Be, and also he was in, I believe, uh, episode one of uh, Tales from the Crypt as the dude that the, the executioner. The
1: yeah. Well, a, a, another William would be William Fickner. Now, he's been in so much stuff. People know his face, but your average guy off the street doesn't know the name William Fickner. There is one movie that sums up how goddamn awesome Fickner is. And Teenage Mutant drive, drive, Turtles. Drive Angry. <laughs> he steals. He steals like a bandit in the night. That movie from Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Fickner ste- Fichtner is the main character of drive angry. As far as I'm concerned, I know it's a Nicholas cage movie, but to me, it's a William Fickner movie.
0: Well, Fickner, uh, with, he was in a movie called go. He wasn't
1: cop. That was trying was... to sell, uh, products.
0: Yes, to Jay Moore
1: and Scott Wolf, yeah. Because they
0: thought like they were gonna get busted, and they had to go to like have dinner with them. There was
1: this whole gay vibe for a while too.
0: Exactly, they're like, "Are we gonna (laughs) get raped?" Because it was it was uh, Jay Moore and
1: uh, and Scott and Scott
0: Wolf. And they, so they went and they had dinner with him and it was like, wait, you I think they were like Amway salesman or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he was great. I mean, he wasn't uh, he wasn't in the movie very much, but he was in, you know, that that really memorable part. He was uh, D'Onofrio's he, psychotic partner in Strange Days. He was in the he. Well, the show was kind of good, but he was amazing. Uh, he was in the TV show version of Invasion. Which was Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Uh, yes, that
1: that that show was terrible, but he was very good in it.
0: I I wouldn't say it was terrible, like, uh, but
1: it took too. Def- lo- okay, the problem was it took too long. I watched the whole one season because so I worked at an ABC station at the time, so we got them early. It took twenty two episodes to tell a story that should have only taken
0: eleven. The show
1: <laughs> was so padded. I kept going. Do something.
0: I, I don't know. I kind of dug it. I liked seeing yeah, like he, him and the wife, how like they played this very manipulative characters. and But he was he definitely... He was, was one of the first ones taken over, if I remember. Yeah, right. he was one of the first ones that got taken, because I believe it was... I haven't seen it in years, but I think it was like the sheriff or something. Yeah, he, Sheriff and, Tom Underlay. Ah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, he was the sheriff. He did such a good job. He was clearly acting on a level very high above everyone else
1: yeah he he was he was acting on a level like like this was something to be taking seriously not a really really bad alien invasion loss knockoff
0: (laughs) i still don't think it was bad i liked it i was actually kind of sad that uh it didn't get to continue because they of course ended it on a goddamn cliffhanger
2: i was actually gonna, gonna talk about drive angry he's amazing as the accountant in in that film and he is one of those actors where uh, he deserves to get bigger roles and be in bigger films. Like he's his like small part in uh, the Dark Knight as the the bank manager. Even there, like he's incredibly impressive, uh, just his presence and everything. And he's only in the movie for like
1: maybe five minutes. He's, he's um, the only watchable just... thing about Lone Ranger. No, I'm serious. Yes. He's a great villain, but that movie's terrible.
2: Oh God, yeah, it was horrendous. But yeah, I I agree. Like he. He he'll he'll brighten a movie up whether it's it's already good and he'll make it better just by being in it like like Drive Angry would have still been a great movie it's pretty much the the Ghost Rider film we should have got but having Fickner in there as the as the villain just elevates it all that much more and the way him and Nicolas Cage play off each other is just it's perfect it's just it really is uh it's magic in motion to to watch that movie happen and it's so so um disappointing that it's uh it, it's an underrated film and not many people know about it because it's one of the best, like, ultra-violent uh, action movies to, to come out in a long time.
1: Another that guy is somebody whose name most people can't pronounce, and he's associated with William Fickner as he was on Prison Break with them. Well, not on him; They were in different seasons, but they were on Prison Break together, and that's Peter Stormare, one of the most over-the-top, one of the most ridiculously over-the-top fun actors i have ever seen and yet he's most well known as stereotypical german guy in those (laughs) those volkswagen commercials you know but people don't remember him from the big lebowski or armageddon or prison break or anything like that he is so ridiculously over the top i love peter stormare peter stormare needs more work
2: well i don't know if he needs because he's like pretty consistently in in movies even if it's just as bit parts the way his line delivery is is hilarious and and over the top. The way he delivers stuff, his character in Fargo, his character in Big Lebowski, Armageddon, just the way he's introduced. It's just him on the the camera in the space station. This is the Russian space station. He's he's great. He's got so much so much charisma, and I I think truly defines a character actor.
1: Well, I think you know more people probably know him from Fargo at this point. I mean, for movies, I mean, obviously they know the Volkswagen commercials. people remember him from Fargo Armageddon or possibly Minority Report. He's got the single best scene in the two thousand five Constantine movie as Satan
0: he, oh yeah, he
1: is just on a different level in Constantine, isn't he?
0: Oh, he's another one who's great i uh i you know I was gonna say Fargo, but you brought it up, yeah, he was just. Just a force to be reckoned with in Fargo, and then uh, he did have the little bit part in Armageddon, which is where a lot of people know him from. He was good in a very overlooked movie called Dylan Dog. Yeah, yeah, just in uh, as Satan and in, in Constantine. Just <laughs> I, I I've seen him in so many things, and he never disappoints. He's always good.
1: Well, a, a more recent that guy is Walton Goggins. You know, because people are really noticing him, both due to Justified. I mean, he, he was starting to get notice on the S.H.I.E.L.D. as Shane Vandrell, but they, but they really know him from Justified, or Tarantino used him in Django Unchained, and he's one of the main characters in the Hateful Eight. <laughs> so Tarantino, again, comes up, bringing a, that guy to the forefront. I remember when he was a 16-year-old like on In the Heat of the Night, He was in a really early Renegade episode, and he was one of the bad guys in the next Karate Kid with Michael Ironside. I think (laughs) Walton Walton Goggins is so insane. Of all the characters that you remember from Predators, his is one of the ones you remember the most, isn't it? Absolutely. Or, I gotta say it, him on Sons of Anarchy, where he plays pre-op transsexual Venus Van Damme, (laughs) is just glorious.
0: Well, he just popped up, uh, I went to see American Ultra the other night, and he plays one of the, actually not one of the, he is the head evil government assassin guy.
1: Well, it's it's kind of funny though, it's like you got Tarantino that uses him, you got the, the shield guys, you know, who also did Sons of Anarchy and Justified, who keep using him. It's kind of funny he didn't stick with Rob Zombie, because everyone seems to forget he was Tom Toll's partner in House of a Thousand Corpses. He was the one that got shot to the Slim Whitman song in slow motion. People forget he was in House of a Thousand Corpses.
2: Well, uh, Walton Goggins makes me want to do. It'll be like five o'clock, bitch raping time. Walton Goggins is great. Um, he's a guy that I watched on on Justified. I remember him from House of a Thousand Corpses. Uh, he's just easily. He's what makes uh Predators. And uh, like a memorable, iconic film, like it's not even so much predators in them or, or anything like that or the action sequences. It's his character and how over the top and, and hilarious he is. And he dies
1: super violent in that, oh, too. While oh man, still alive, yes. the predator reaches into his spinal column and just pulls it in his skull right out of his body. It, it is was... the most hyper violent <laughs> death awesome. in that film. Another one that I always liked was David Morse. You know, I knew him from St. Elsewhere, but he's also been in a ton of movies, usually as a villain. He also is in Drive Angry. We're going to go through the whole Drive Angry cast, I guess. But, you know, <laughs> he, he was also on Sequest and 12 Monkeys, Long Kiss, Good Night. He's done some really, really big stuff like Proof of Life, What's Your Face's Husband that they were trying to get back. He had the great, well, the first season of Hack was really good. The second wasn't. He was on House and whatnot. I think David Morris is a fantastic that guy. Cecil, I'll go to you since you kind of have met him. <laughs> well, I ha-
0: I had the pleasure of working with Mr. Morse one day and uh he recorded Is he as nice
1: as he as he probably he... Seems
0: he is to me? Okay. I had to re- uh he recorded some audio for the National Constitution Center. Came into our office. He he was using our sound booth. He came by himself like no no publicist, no nothing, walked through Philadelphia and just, you know, walked down, came to our our place and went in, you know, he had a hat and glasses on, you know, recorded his audio, stayed afterwards. And like, after we were doing it, they were, they were taking the audio and just making sure everything was good. And he was sitting around talking with us and was the coolest guy, was answering questions about his TV shows, was taking pictures with everybody. And then it was like, All right. Well, I'll see you guys later. It was great working with you. You know, take care. Puts his hat on, walks back out into the street. Nobody was the wiser. Nobody knew, (laughs) you know, that's
1: why he's a that guy. But personally, I think he's a great actor and people don't realize he's also a director and people don't even remember that he directed an episode of Friday the 13th, the series, because because that's why. I really like
2: him in uh there's a lesser known film called uh Disturbia, which uh features a very young Shia LaBeouf in which he plays a, a serial killer neighbor. Um he's great in that. Um I love him in in The Rock um as uh Ed Harris's uh, army buddy. Uh just those two in that movie just completely steal the show and it's just was, so good. He, he was Jody Foster's dad in contact. Mm-hmm. He's just he's one of those awesome that guys and he's he's got a like there's a vibe about him that's that's very cool. Like he's got this, um, you know, like, like he's a he's a big dude and kind of scary, but like at the same time, there's this there's like a level headedness or, or something. Like it's a very the dude just just gives off a cool vibe no matter like what he plays. He's just he's awesome and uh, very wrongfully uh, underrated. More people need to uh, need to know about that guy because he's he's fantastic.
1: So as we're running down. All these that guys. I'm sure. I mean, we, this was just my list. Have I left off any that guys that you guys that that you two think that think people should know more?
2: Yeah, I've got got a list here, and I'll uh one is uh, Marco Rodriguez, who much like John Saxon and guys like Michael Ironside have been in an episode of pretty much every show ever, and then also appear in movies. He was recently in. Nightcrawler he, he was uh recently in Nightcrawler's at the beginning of the movie uh he was um the I, I think I got his name wrong earlier in the episode he's the guy uh at the beginning of Cobra that's uh that wants to gun down the, the whole grocery store and then gets uh shot six times by Stallone and gets a knife thrown into him for good measure um <laughs> he's,
1: hey, he's one of, it's the only way to be sure exactly <laughs>
2: He's just one of those guys that you, you immediately recognize, and I, I really like him. Like, I've seen him pop up uh, randomly in shows like like Seinfeld, and I'm sure he's, he's done a lot of, like, you know, the CSI cop-related type shows, and he's in a lot of... He's one of those, like, who's who of uh, random dudes to pop up in action movies. Uh, same with the dude's name is uh, Thomas... I, I'll probably pronounce this wrong. Uh, Thomas Rosales Jr., who... Literally sh- has shown up in like every action movie. He's that guy that you're you'll always he's the, the, the black curly haired Mexican dude that's always getting shot by Schwarzenegger or Stallone or <laughs> Steven Seagal. And then of course you know Erwin Keys, who is so much of a that guy that he was in both Exterminator movies as different characters. So the, these I, I love all these uh, the, the random dudes that just like, like will will show up that you'll recognize in in action movies or or horror movies. And Michael Jai White is one of my favorites because I, I truly believe that he deserves to be a much bigger actor.
0: Well, we we couldn't talk about this and not talk about the great Dick Miller. Uh, you know, everything from the Terminator to Gremlins to small soldiers. The old Corman uh, stuff
1: all the way to, you know, Joe Dante. He, Dick Miller has been in mm-hmm. every single project, whether it's a TV show or a movie, that Joe Dante has ever made. He has had his scenes deleted in two cases, so he doesn't appear in the finished film, but he had mm. scenes shot for every single thing Joe Dante's ever done.
0: Then uh, I'll go with Al Leung, who uh, has a book coming out. It's I it might be out yet. I have to look that up to see if it's out. But he's uh, what a lot of people know him from. Probably the most people would know him. He was the guy, uh, one of the terrorists in the original Die Hard uh lethal weapon. He was in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. He was in Scorpion King, and just a bajillion other things. He was in 24. uh He's the un—you can't mistake the guy. you know, he's got the bald head, but he's got the long mullet in the back and the and big. And he's Fu got Manchu. the must- he, In Die
1: Hard, he—he he actually, they've taken over Nakatomi Plaza, and he kind of feels bad stealing a candy bar from the, right. from, the from the case.
0: Well, it's because he's sitting there with the Uzi and he's looking and he looks down and he grabs the candy bar. I mean, that's
1: and then he's kind of looking around all guilty like. Yeah, like
0: anybody, anybody notice he's taking a candy bar. Yeah, it's that that's where, that I yeah, wonder I remember
1: tor- torturing Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He tortured, <laughs> you know, with the uh, with the sponges. Yeah. And uh, and then uh, I'm going to go with uh, Charles S. Dutton who uh, was from Alien 3. Charles uh,
1: Dutton, I don't know if I'd call him a that guy. He's in some pretty mainstream stuff. I mean,
0: Christ, he's won, like,
1: what, four Emmys?
0: Yeah, but, but still a lot of people don't necessarily know who he is. Like, mm-hmm. there he is. he's the black that guy, you know?
1: No, the, no, no. Keith David is the black that guy.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is true. All right, so he's the other black that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but he's great. I love him. Like, he's... He's been in movies where I like the movie was again, the movie was terrible, but he was good. And there's been times where there would be a movie that I'm like, oh, I have no interest in seeing that. And then I'm like, oh, Charles Stutton's in it. All right, I'll watch it. You know?
1: Do you think that the whole that guy phenomenon in the age of the Internet? I mean, like when people like LQ Jones were coming up, people might recognize an actor, but they're not going to learn their name do you think the internet has changed the whole that guy phenomenon at all or do you think do you think that the do you think there really is a difference between like when lq jones was that guy versus when dean winters was that guy i
0: don't really i I don't really think so because even though we have this access to you know infinite information you still have people that don't bother to look up who someone is watch a movie and they're like oh that guy's in it and they're not going to like go on the imdb or they're not going to actually take the time to like look who the person is they're just going to be like oh great that guy's in the movie so i i think that um it's still kind of a phenomenon that will just continue to go on as long as people uh you know don't really take that much of an interest because you have to consider there are a lot of people that will just watch movies and not care like we're we're kind of on the fringes of we watch movies we look out for certain actors we know their names we know their history there are people that are just like uh, I'm gonna watch this movie because Julia Roberts is in it you know what's it about ah it doesn't matter it's got Julia Roberts in it you know there uh, to and be fair
1: won- we do the same thing with for oh Michael Ironside's in it I don't even care what it's about
0: right but what <laughs> I'm saying is but we know the all the other players like they'll yeah. just pick a movie because it's a mainstream star and watch it. And, you know, they won't know all the additional people that are in it. You know, they might recognize one or two people here or, hey, uh, you know, uh, this guy's in it or uh, Tom Cruise is in this. But they're not quite as, uh, you know, proficient in the uh, smaller characters as we are.
2: Uh, Not particularly. I mean, it does give, uh, as Cecil said, there's the option. That you could look somebody up, but there are a lot of people who will just be like, "Oh, well, this mainstream person's in this movie. I'll I'll watch it, and uh, they won't look up anybody else, or they won't care who directed it or anything like that. It's it's still kind of the same. Just now, people have access to learn if they want to, and uh, a lot of people choose not to. I mean, we're we're kind of different as uh, movie watchers, people that uh, actually take the time to learn the names of the actors and who's directing it and what they're, what they're known for. Like for me, when I watch a movie, it's oh Michael Ironside's in it. Uh, who directed it? Oh, produced by Roger Corman. Okay. I'll watch it. You know, that's, there's a bit more of a process, uh, to me watching a movie, uh, other than just, Ooh, that actor is in it though. When it comes to John Saxon, I usually feel pretty safe watching something with him in it because it's usually going to be pretty goddamn entertaining. Same with Michael Ironside.
1: None of us are probably ever going to get to the status of being a that guy. But Cecil, if anyone wants to make you a that guy, where would they find you?
0: Uh, You can see me being that robot uh, over on uh, EscapistMagazine.com, GoodBadFlix.com, GeekJuiceMedia.com, and all your other social media fun houses.
1: Peter, you're in Canada. There's a good chance you could get cast in anything since they shoot everything up there. You might <laughs> be a that guy. Where can people find you?
2: Uh, You can see me... Maybe possibly being a a, that guy on uh, Twitter at Cinematica, Facebook, Cinematicus, YouTube, the Cinematicus, and uh, that guying it up on
1: uh, on 1201beyond.com. Speaking of 1201beyond.com, that's where I am. That's my site. You can contact the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Remember, guys, it's not about the star. It's about the performance. All of the that guys that we brought up tonight really give it their all. Don't overlook them just because they're not the star. They deserve recognition as well. They're not that guy. Learn their goddamn name. Have some respect. You see the features of my way Begin to shoot the feed without a face.